live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Hey, a great good afternoon. How are you? Wherever you are and however you have chosen to listen or see us, we're very grateful. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Yours truly here, Studio 1A, my main man. James Mesh back in the game studios in the master control suite where he's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 Lake Charles. And what a busy day we have today for you and yours. What a phenomenal day it was Sunday as the city of New Orleans on the grandest of stages, started off with Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley winning the Zurich Classic. Beautiful format, well done, nationally televised, terrific. And then the nightcap as Brandon Ingram scores 30 points and the Pelicans in a jam-packed, all-in-red Smoothie King Center overwhelmed the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul in game four, get a win, locking the series at two games apiece, guaranteeing a game six back in New Orleans on Thursday. What a day it was in New Orleans. We'll recap that. We'll also recap, and you know how I feel about this. If you've been listening to this program for the multitude of years that we've done it, I put absolutely zero ilk into a college football spring game. This was a little bit different. Not so much about the players, but this was different because it's a whole new staff. Um, And you want to see the organizational skills. Are the players supposed to be in the right place? How do they warm up? All the little things, they'll have time to work on their installations of offensive and defensive philosophies. They've got uh, the summertime and all of fall camp. Uh, They've just had 15 quick practices and that's hard to, and they still don't have their full team on campus. Uh, You know, not everybody enrolled early. So you've got some freshmen coming in that they may be counting on. You've got the portal to, to address as well. So, I don't put much much stock in it, and everybody plays it very close to the vest and vanilla because everything's televised and everybody's watching. And all every coach of every team that's on LSU schedule has somebody that's job is to plus uh, record, and then they break it all down and they study and study and study. So I put zero ilk in it, but we will discuss some of the major topics from the spring game. Glenn West will join us at around 2.30 this afternoon for that. Blake Rafino at the end of the program will give his thoughts on it as well. LSU baseball did everything right, everything they could do to make sure that they're still in the hunt. They have a series sweep over Missouri. 
We'll recap all of that with our good buddy, Chris Reed, the former Tiger. It's draft week. The Saints, do they have their board intact? Um, So much will depend upon what happens ahead of them. Uh, John Hendricks from Canal Street Chronicles and Boot Crew Media will share his thoughts on the Saints. And for every guess, there's a whole nother set of guesses. No one knows. The Saints don't even know. They have their board and they've got their top players listed. And as uh, each team ahead of them drafts, they'll scratch off that name. They'll scratch off that name and they'll go with um, availability in a position of need, and we'll see what happens. But that all takes place starting Thursday in Las Vegas. So there we are. That's what we've got on the docket for you and for yours. We are brought to you each and every Monday by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. There are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana with a simple mission statement. Um, we just want to make sure that when you leave the store, you got a smile on your face because one, you found exactly what you wanted Two, you found it at a great, great price. And three, you were treated with respect and with happy people uh, that were there to serve your needs, plain and simple. So whether your needs are fresh food, fuel, top shelf wines or spirits, or maybe even just a quick pit stop. ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets are there for you in their spacious stores filled with Louisiana products and their modern restrooms that are always clean, always comfortable, and with delicious food that's always fresh and it's always fast. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, man, you just can't shop right at all. Basketball's alive and well. If you give this state, and, and look, it's, it's a, it is a football state. But I can tell you firsthandedly, as a basketball player, if you put a good product on the court and a winning product, they'll pack the rafters. But if you're mediocre or not good, then nobody's going to come. See, football is an event. Football is an all-day thing. The game for many, many, many people is secondary. The most important part is the tailgating, the gathering of friends and family and the camaraderie and and walking around and seeing all the sights and all this. It is a big, big production and a big to do. People will still go to the game. Now, they won't go in abundance, but they'll still show up. They'll show up to boo just as much as they show up to cheer. Now, if you have a great team like the 2019 team, well, that goes without saying, without saying. But I came up in a time when LSU football was kind of iffy. Now, certainly they didn't have a 102,000-seat stadium and and all the the plush suites and uh, the tiger dens and all that stuff. It was a football stadium, and football was still king. Charlie McClendon was coaching, legendary coach but they were down. We seized that moment. We put a really, really, really good product on the floor and you couldn't buy a ticket. So I've always been the proponent of this is a basketball state. 
but you got to give them something that they can grab onto. Everybody loves a winner. And the Pelicans right now are winning, and they are a very, very fun team to watch. They are exciting. They've got a bona fide star in Brandon Ingram. We still haven't seen the best of CJ McCollum, in my opinion. He hasn't still, he hasn't been that that just unstoppable force. He's been good. Jonas Valanciunas comes up with a big game. Herb Jones doing things as a rookie defensively. It's awesome. And there's there's many that are old school. There's many that are new school. And I'm of the belief when he was down on the court and Chris Paul offered to offered his hand to lift him up. Heck no, no, that's not showing disrespect. That's showing a competitive nature. I am not giving in to you. I don't need your help. I'm here to stop you. I don't want your help. After the game, all the respect in the world. After a disappointment on Friday night where Chris Paul went nuts in the fourth quarter, Willie Green and the Pels made a concerted effort to make sure that wouldn't happen. Now, look, he's going to be 37 years old. The wear and tear gets to you. I thought a brilliant move were the Pels picking him up 94 feet. I don't care how good you are. That wears you down. And player after player after player, defender after defender after defender, just picked him up and made him work, made him expend energy. And by the time the fourth quarter came this time around, Chris Paul was nowhere to be found. I think he was fatigued, and the Pels did a terrific job, and they earned the win. There's all kinds of complaints about discrepancies in free throw shooting, and there was a huge discrepancy. Advantage Pels for a change. Scene shifts back to Phoenix. Don't think Devin Booker's going to play yet. Pels proved they could win out there already. Best of three. Somebody's got to win two. We'll see. We will see. Pels are still the betting underdog in this thing, but um, we shall see. We shall see. We'll talk with Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights about that here in just a minute. We had a busy, busy show planned for you and yours. Um, Again, we'll talk Pels. We'll talk LSU football. We'll talk LSU baseball. We'll talk Saints draft. Uh, and much, much more. So a busy Monday. Hope everybody had a fabulous, fabulous weekend. Boy, they had the F- French Quarter Festival going on. You had the Zurich Classic. You had the Pelicans. New Orleans was rocking. And not a better city in the world to host all of it. it really wasn't. Really was And it's, it was great to see, although I wasn't there. I just read the reports. Great to see some of the great LSU players from that 2019 team and others uh, in attendance, watching, helping with recruiting. It's not bad when you're recruiting a quarterback and he gets to talk to Joe Burrow. It's not bad when you're recruiting a defensive back and he gets to talk to Tyron Matthew. It's not bad when you're going after wide receivers and you see Jamar Chase. It's a pretty good recruiting tool. And LSU taking advantage of it. Um, and I'll just leave it at this thing. Uh, Brian Kelly's the closest thing that LSU's had to Nick Saban since Nick Saban. 
We won a championship with a great coach. We won a championship with a buffoon. We won a championship with a cartoon character. And now we've got that other coach, like the first coach in Brian Kelly. Can he win a championship? Certainly. Willie, how soon? Your guess is as good as mine. But he can. He can. And we shall see. He came here for a reason. And he thought he could win a championship here. Better, better suited than he could where he's the wingiest coach of one of the most prolific programs in all of college football at Notre Dame. So we'll, those are just my thoughts. We'll share some others down the road. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights after this timeout. This is the Jordy Heldberg Show on uh, the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back 18 minutes after the hour. Let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans winners of game four. Game five will be Tuesday in Phoenix. Game six will be Thursday at the Smoothie King Center. And this Pelicans update brought to you by Eon of Louisiana and Lafayette, the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. We are joined by, man, so much fun. Uh, Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights um, does a great job covering the Pels. Woo! How about that one, big guy? How are you? I'm doing great. And, Jordan, you're right. We've had a blast this year, and it's only improved with each passing month. So we're now, I don't even, I don't even have the words anymore sometimes. <laughs> Man, a sea of red at the Smoothie King Center. Um, mm-hmm. If you build a good product. Uh, they will come and they will support and they the fans have been terrific and I don't know what <laughs> they they sure don't like Jay Crowder I can tell you that much. Wow yeah Jay Crowder let's just say he's public maybe enemy number one currently in New Orleans <laughs> right I mean he influenced the uh, outcome of Game Three with his I'm not going to say flopping but his defensive. Uh, Right, his defensive movements and, of course, the calls that he got against the Pelicans. And the Pelicans let him know about it in Game 4 when he started doing the same thing. But you know what? Pelicans turned the tables on him. They didn't let it get through their into their heads, right? They had Jackson Hayes um, not pick up a technical foul and get thrown out, yep. obviously. Yep. And then, of course, they started giving them their own medicine. How about, you know, let's start with Jose Alvarado. What he was able to do. He stymied Chris Paul, forced an eight-second call. Also had a big one of those Grand Theft Alvarado steals that Chris Paul said he wasn't going to get on him. But guess what? Jose did. But I loved, honestly, the charge he took against Jay Crowder to close out that first half when suddenly the Suns were picking up steam and you were worried the Pelicans are going to let go of another one. But Jose took a charge. They held them off. And, of course, second half, Pelicans dominated. No question. 118 to 103. Um, the series tied two games apiece. Game five, as I said, Tuesday night. Um, Brandon Ingram never played in a playoff game prior to this season. Uh, he's become, a, you become <laughs> a bona fide superstar. Jordy, you wouldn't know, would you? I mean, no. of course, he's been in the league for six years. 
But usually the playoffs are just a, such a different animal that it takes all types of players to adjust, right? Even the stars yeah. in this league, they'll have some hiccups. But Brandon's shown no signs. And, you know, he, his spectacular plays honestly been around a little bit longer than just this three-game capsule that we've seen of recent. He was incredible in that playing tournament, right? That, that win over the Clippers doesn't happen to where right. the Pelicans advance from the play to these playoffs. I mean, he's been playing so steady, and whenever the need has uh, called for it, he has stepped up. And that happened last night. Coming out of halftime, he wanted to set a big tone in that third quarter, scored six straight buckets, assisted on two others. And you know what? It just looks so effortless for him right now. He's just doing it all. And you're right. Let's call him a superstar because that's what he looks like. Uh, game three, I, I, we talked about it. I, I thought that they were really going to try and get DeAndre Ayton involved early and often. They certainly did. Um, I thought in game four, the fact that Jonas Valanciunas became much better offensively, took a little bit of the start shot of Ayton, who only finished with 23 for the Suns in game four. I thought the play of Valanciunas was pivotal for the Pels to even the series up. Absolutely, Jordy. There was two major keys for the Pelicans heading into game four. One, could they slow down Chris Paul? And two, mm-hmm. could they get their big man going? Because DeAndre Ayton has been dominating not only his matchup with Valanciunas, but just the game, right? Controlling yeah. defensively that paint to where New Orleans didn't look like New Orleans. I mean, they've been getting out, or they were outscored severely in games one and three in the paint. And as we know, those that regularly watch this team that doesn't happen that's the strength of the team so they need to get Valanciunas going and boy did he ever come through aggressive play he was still pounding glass but now he was knocking down shots and for me it's when he hit that third uh his only three-pointer of the night at the fourth quarter you just knew it It just felt like this was going to be the Pelicans game and Jonas finished with a career best playoff uh scoring uh game with those 26 points surpassing a 24 point effort he had like six years ago what was the biggest difference in uh, and give Willie Green and the assistant coaches and the staff a lot of credit um, yeah. in devising a plan? I thought picking Chris Paul up ninety four feet from the jump street, uh, you know, if you've ever played the game, somebody does that to you all day long. It wears you out, and I thought Chris Paul was fatigued by the time the fourth quarter came around, and he was certainly not in Game Four what he was the assassin in Game Three. No, coming into game three, Chris Paul had had two days off, right? There was a two-day break between games two and three. Last night, it was a different story. He just had one, and it seemed to show. In that first half, he he made no impact. He was consistently looking to pass, and even when he was open, he just looked, you know, he, he didn't look like he wanted to shoot those shots, and they were he had a lot of open ones, and he missed badly. So he ended up shooting just two of eight from the floor, having one of his worst games as a pro and scoring those four points. And you're right, a lot of credit deserves to go to Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado. And even though they have been trying to blanket him um, in the first three games, they just did such a much better job to where they didn't allow Chris Paul to pick them apart, right, to where Chris Paul's either getting those open looks or having the decision or having an easy decision of hitting the open guy. They took a lot of things away in that game. Yeah, Ali uh, Cassell at the bird rights. Okay, so game five comes up Tuesday. There was a huge discrepancy in free throw shot attempts of which uh, Monty Williams made sure in his post game references to to make references to uh, he's planning a seed for the officials for when they get back to Phoenix for sure. Um, So the Pels are going to have to be smart. They're going to have to be aggressive, but but smart in their approach come come Tuesday night. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely um, a method there to what Monty did because let's face it, he rarely uses that card to where he's going to complain about something. And he made right. sure he mentioned it several times that discrepancy. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't see it as as badly as the numbers say it appeared to be because the Pelicans honestly were the team that played so much more aggressively on both ends mm-hmm. of the ball. They met that physicality that they couldn't match from the Suns in Game Three, but they did it in Game Four. And I just feel like that the referees saw that and they rewarded the Pelicans for it. And that's usually how the playoffs work, Jordy, right? The team that's more aggressive yeah. is just playing the better brand of basketball. They get rewarded. And I feel like that's what we saw. But you're right. Game five in Phoenix, you cannot expect anything close to the same result. So the Pelicans, they're going to have to play better. They're going to have to make sure that, again, the Suns don't uh, torch them from the outside, which hasn't happened in the last few games. They've, they've just got to play smart like they did, right? Nine turnovers, by far their best so far in this series. Yeah. They've got to just play like that, play through their strengths like Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, and, of course, lock it down defensively. That's the key. Um, stay out of foul trouble, rebound the basketball. And I still, I still, maybe I'm crazy, I still don't think we've seen the best of C.J. McCollum yet during this series. Oh, I just, no. He's been good, don't get me wrong. But he hasn't had that signature moment where we've seen, like we've seen in the past, uh, where he's just knocking everything down. Exactly. And, and that's, I guess that's maybe a blessing or something yeah. you can hang your hat on. Because C.J. McCollum is the one that, when he first arrived from that trade, he was carrying the Pelicans. I know that they lost a handful of games. I think they lost their first uh, four out of their five with him in the lineup. But C.J. Mm-hmm. wasn't to blame. He was scoring and scoring at an efficient clip. And we haven't seen him dominate even really a quarter, right, where he's going to pour in like 14 points, hit three or four threes. Over these last playing games and playoff games, it's, it's just been a handful of glimpses of that type of CJ. So, yeah, you almost feel like he's destined to go on a streak now, go on a good run. And if he could, boy, that would really improve the Pelicans' chances of somehow pulling off this miraculous upset of an eight seed over a one seed, huh? Yeah, I mean, if you had told me that – Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado uh, would be the most important players. Um, uh, well, Jose would be the most important player coming off the bench, and Herb would play all these minutes, and and he'd be guarding Chris Paul until Jose came in. I I I I, I scoffed at you. I said, "No, what what are you talking about? What, this doesn't happen. A second round pick and an undrafted pick, and they've become, I mean, so." valuable to this club it, it's and and is there a bigger crowd favorite than jose no i mean jose 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 <laughs> right there i mean that's unbelievable those chants were just incredible and i know he's <laughs> loving every minute and he's grateful and thankful and i loved in post game when he said you know this city's got my back but i've got theirs too it, yeah. it's just a symbiotic relationship that has formed this year between the fans and so many of these players where I haven't even really seen it develop with just one on previous good teams, right? I mean, think back to the Anthony Davis days. I know that was fun, that 2018 run, but honestly, Mm -hmm. there was no connection between the city and any of those players like there is with a lot of these guys. And I'll tell you what, reference to Jose, Herb, and even Trey to an extent, I don't even look at them upon them as rookies anymore. They're playing like true veterans out there, right? They're making all the right plays. They're hustling. They understand what the playoff atmosphere That's entails, the and they're bringing it. I mean, it, it's just been incredible. And they've been just as important as Brandon Ingram looking like a superstar or whatever else you want to label yep. or call out there. 
That is the key. You said the key word. They're hustling. And you know what's great now? The national pundits, you and I haven't even, we haven't even brought up the name of Zion. This team deserves all the credit that they're getting because they've put in the time, they've put in the work, they've put in the effort, they've put in the hustle, and they've earned every bit of it. But I got to ask you about Zion because you saw him warming up again. Apparently, he's looking pretty good, getting closer and closer. He is, because I've been monitoring him ever since he arrived back from Portland. And every time I was asked about him previously, he, he looks still weeks away from honestly playing or helping. Now I'm seeing visible signs of him, um, the improvement in his conditioning, the way he's moving on the court, to where it gives me hope that if the Pelicans could somehow advance past this wow. first round, get in the second round, we may actually see the big guy. Hmm. Amazing. Something that the Brooklyn Nets can't say about their acquisition of, of Ben Simmons. And that's so a whole other story <laughs> for a whole nother day. My goodness gracious. Um, looking at the playoffs in whole, um, is anybody going to beat the Boston Celtics? Man, they're good. No, I don't think so. They just got Robert Williams back. Yeah. And, Tate, and, that com- and, that, and that combination of what Tatum, Brown, and Smart – they're Ooh. bringing it offensively, which we know they can do, but defensively. I mean, the Jason best. Tatum has blocked Kevin Durant, I think, by my count, at least four or five times. Most of them on the yeah. perimeter. I've never seen that before, Jordy. So yeah. they look like the best defensive team. They've got two stars, legitimate stars, and great role players. you got to like them, right? Yeah. Um, who do you like out of the West? Let's take, uh, let's take the Pelicans out of the equation here. This has been great, but uh, <laughs> it, it would be an absolute miracle. Um, and I'm hoping against hope, but who do you like out of the West? Yeah, Jordy. We before I know the playoffs started, we I had talked about you and I regarding Memphis Grizzlies, right? They they seem to be my second favorite behind the Suns, but no more. Mm-mm. And in fact, Mm-mm. they're nobody. Neither of those two teams are my top pick. Mm-mm. It's got to be the Golden State Warriors. Yes, they indeed. have looked like the team yeah. we saw during the first two and a half months. Steph yeah. Curry's back. And he's coming off the bench right now, and Jordan Poole's doing his best Steph Curry impression out there with the starting lineup. Clay Thompson now can't miss. He's finally gotten his footing after needing to adjust coming off of, of course, not playing for several years. And Draymond Green, his back hasn't <laughs> been a problem, and he's defensively been a monster. What a stud. When Jokic has been guarded by Draymond, he has had no luck whatsoever yep. in scoring at that clip, passing the ball like he normally does at an MVP level. So you've yep. got to love Golden State above everybody I'm else in the you. West right now. I am with you. Um, I think Golden State, Boston uh, are the two clear-cut favorites at this point in time, but we will see. But we're just concerned about heading out to the desert. Um, again, I, I think you got to get a great start in this one um, and, and not have to play from deep from behind. I think that's kind of an obvious, uh, easy yeah. gimmick answer, but I, I really think it's, it's true with this team, particularly this young team, uh, they get off to a good start. That thing can generate and, and, and keep the momentum going. So we'll see. Quick turnaround. I think that that favors the Pels, even though they have to travel a time zone away. But I, I think that favors the youth of the Pels rather than the age of Chris Paul and the Suns. Without a doubt. But the thing we've got to be watching is when will Devin Booker return? Right. I'm from what I'm hearing, he's been looking really good, being able to okay. ramp up a little bit more in each practice. So I'm wondering if Monty decides to bring him back for game five. Or does he sit, 
and count on the rest of his team to pull through because they're playing at home. It's going to be a great question for him. Yeah. And uh, I'm curious. I can't wait, honestly, for tomorrow yeah. to get here. We shall see. Um, Ali, you're, you're the best. Thank you so much. Flock up. Uh, and I can't repeat the Jay Crowder chant, but ole, ole. I mean, Jose, <laughs> the whole Jose, city knows Jose, what was Jose. said, right? All of New Orleans, <laughs> Louisiana. Yeah, you don't need to repeat it. That's right. They, we all know. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk soon. That's right, George. Take care. All right. Eon of Lafayette. Uh, smarter body contouring. Yes, indeed. You know, most people describe an Eon treatment as a cool breeze on a hot summer day. You'll feel the cool breeze from the jet impingement cooling and the gradual warmth of the laser melting away excess fat. It's a comfortable combination that makes for a relaxing, effective treatment. After one Eon treatment, you'll start to see and feel your fat melting away in about six months. Eon of Lafayette. That's E-O-N. All right, we'll talk about the, the lowdown from the LSU spring game with our good friend Glenn West. After we return from this time out on the Jordy Helper Show, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. The Jordy Helper Show brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. Buku Rewards Program. It's here. It's here to stay. And they have a new one uh, that will uh, save you not only in the store, but they'll save you at the gas pump. Go to ShopRiteLA.com. ShopRiteLA.com to find out how you can become a free member of the Buku Rewards Program Offered by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. All right, spring football talk. Glenn West from LSU Country, kind enough to join us as he does just about each and every Monday, and we're very thankful for it. Hey, Glenn, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Jordy. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Um, What kind of crowd did they have at the spring game, just out of curiosity? Yeah, I mean, there was probably, I would say, four or 5,000 people there. I think they they kind of packed them in in that lower bowl on the, okay. on the side lines on the LSU sidelines they didn't really spread them out much so it was kind of hard to see just from the you know the vantage point from where the media sits up in the press box but there was a good bit of players or uh, people there and when uh when the honestly the largest you know kind of crowd you know seeking moment was when uh Burrow and Chase and all those guys walked out of the tunnel uh about midway through the second quarter so that was uh that was fun and very very interesting as well they came midway through the second quarter. What the heck were they? What else were they doing? Into, I guess they were up in the suites doing yeah. something up there. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Um, first and foremost, the quarterback position, Brian Kelly said that nothing's been solidified. Your naked eye got to see all of the quarterbacks play. Give us your observations. Yeah. I mean, they all look pretty good. I, I can't, you know, fault much of what happened you know there was there was only so much you could really learn just because the defense was only throwing one constant look at the quarterbacks and so as the game or as the scrimmage kind of wore on I think those guys started to really get comfortable with what they were seeing and uh there was a very it was very productive second half for the for the offense but um you know look I I I think that you know he's you know what Brian Kelly is saying is is very very true um I think this is Kind of coming in, I think a lot of the people in the media and and just around the program thought 
Um, you know, you bring in these two veteran quarterbacks, you feel like it's going to end up trending that way to where it's going to be those two that are going to kind of solidify themselves as the, the two potential starters. But um, Garrett Nussmeyer has had other plans this spring. I mean, he's been on on his game from practice number one. Um, he looks like a completely different player. He's more poised. He's more, uh, you know, adopting that game manager uh, atmosphere instead of just being a guy who's going to fling it, you know, 50 yards down the field every time. He's taking what the defense has given him, and I thought he looked uh, extremely, extremely impressive in the in the reps that he was given on Saturday. Uh, I think he led about three touchdown drives throughout, you know, his five, four or five series. Um, Brennan threw a touchdown. Jaden Daniels ran in for a touchdown, threw another one. So, um, you know, they 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 really kind of settled in. Uh, the defense certainly owned the first. Uh, I would say four or five series, but uh, after that, man, the offense started clicking, and uh, you know, you kind of saw just what this potential of this 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 team can be um, when they're clicking on all cylinders. And I thought that they they did a tremendous job towards the end of the game. So is Brian Kelly pleased? Do you think that not one quarterback has separated from the others? Because if he did, he'd have to declare that a starter. Now you're looking at the transfer portal for somebody else. It's a good problem to have. I think you know you you kind of go in and you know one of the main messages he's told us really throughout the entire spring is just, you know, the, the whole point of the, the last few weeks was to discover the team's weaknesses, uh, their shortcomings, just so nothing is surprising them come fall. Um, and it gives them now, you know, a week or so to really address those needs in terms of the transfer portal. Um, but, you know, I think also at the same time, you know, the, the transfer portal is set up now to where these guys can only enter and be, you know, transfer uh, to another team uh, by the May 1st deadline. And right. so they really only have a week now yeah, to really right. decide if they want to put their name in the portal to be eligible for another team next season. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, the next couple of days if anyone decides to to jump ship. I, I do think it's, it's a really, really close race, a really tight race. And um, I would be a little bit surprised, I think, if, if any of the top three guys started to put their uh, their names in the portal. But um, yeah, I, I absolutely expect this thing to be a, an all-out war in the fall in terms of just the battle, and I think it's very, very, very tight right now. Glenn West, LSU country. I put no stock in a spring game. What, what makes this one unusual to me is it's a whole new coaching staff. So from that perspective, how organized were things? Do they, did this team look like they were in the right place, doing the right thing? That's all coaching. What was your observation? Yeah, I mean, very, very organized. I mean, even last year, I mean, when you were watching this spring game, you could tell with the new staff, a new assistant staff that Orgeron had brought in that things were very clunky and not really moving the way that they should have been. And uh, I don't get that. I didn't get that sense at all on Saturday. I think all the coaches had their ducks in a row. They had all the players uh, subbing in and out the way that they liked. And, uh, I mean, you had a couple breakdowns, as pissed, you know, particularly in the secondary with, you know, a lot of those guys banged up and right. and uh, subbing in and out. But, um, you know, I, I do think that they, you know, they, the, the, you know, this coaching staff you know, was really kind of adopted what Brian Kelly has preached, which is that everyone needs to be accountable. And, you know, I think that a big part of their accountability as coaches is to have those guys – in the right spots, you know, you might not execute on every play, but if you're in the right spots and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, 
um, you know, you, you'll you'll oftentimes you know find find the right play and make the right okay. decisions. So I think that's been what this spring has been about mostly, and I think those guys did a really good job of it on uh, on Saturday. Coaches getting to know players, players getting to know what coaches expect and how they execute it. All right. Um, one of the strengths of this club I keep hearing and should be is the defensive line, which means that's a great test for an unproven kind of new offensive line. Hmm. How did that all fare, particularly early on? So, yeah, early on, the defensive line really controlled the game. I thought that was um, you know, it was it was honestly a very dominant f- first five or six series from the defensive line, particularly the starters, um, you know, that front four of, of Mason Smith, B.J. Ojolari, Ali Gay and Jacqueline Roy. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be causing problems for everyone, uh, not just the LSU offensive line. I mean, they were getting in the backfield. They were tackling for loss. They got their hands on the quarterbacks. You know, you obviously couldn't tackle them. So it was those touch sacks. But. Uh, they added up, and there, there was the, you could tell that the offensive line was really struggling early. Um, you know, I thought that you know, the, honestly, the highlight for the offensive line was was Will Campbell. I thought he played really well okay. on the left side of that defense or uh, offensive line. I think he is really solidifying himself as a as a firm statement in that left tackle spot, which is an amazing thing to come out of spring knowing who your left tackle is going to be. If you feel comfortable with him. Um, you know, the, to protect the quarterback's blind side, all these guys are right-handed throwers. So that's that's a very key position and, and something that I think that uh, LSU feels confident they they walked out of spring knowing. So uh, to have that answer and to obviously see the the consistency with the starters up front, I do have a little bit of questions about the depth concern on the defensive line behind those starters. You know, you gotta you're gonna throw a lot of guys out there. It's Savion Jones and uh, you know Xavier Carter. Uh, uh, you know, just who, who's going to who's going to kind of, you know, demand some of those reps in the middle, J- J- Jacoby and Guillory. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to, I think, play that front four, right. you know, 100 percent of snaps. Right. You're going to have to sub them in and out at some point. And so, exactly. um, you know, having some having some of those depth concerns, I think, heading into the uh, heading into the summer and fall is going to be something they're going to have to answer. One name, and, and again, it, it's a spring game, so I take it with a huge grain of salt, but I keep hearing the name of Trey Bradford. Looks bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, looks like he's going to be an impact running back for LSU, yes? I think so. Look, I, the running back situation is is very, very interesting just from the fact that you, know, you kind of came in thinking, all right, if Emery's healthy and he's got his, you know, his ducks in a row and he's doing things he's supposed to be doing off the field, uh, you know, you, you kind of got the sense that he would be a starter for this team and that Noah Kane would be a really complimentary piece for for LSU, the transfer coming out of Penn State. But um, look, these last week, week and a half, you know, Trey Bradford, Armani Goodwin, Josh Williams, all these guys have gotten extended looks with Emory out with a little bit of an ankle injury. And on, you know, on Saturday, they all all showed, you know, flashes of being really, really good. And, uh, you know, Kelly said it, you know, right after the right after the game, how impressed he was with that group. Uh, just, you know, overall, how how tough it's going to be to bring these running backs to the ground. And so um, certainly Bradford's going to be in that mix. I, I definitely think you're going to see. Uh, kind of come fall, you know, a lot of these guys get get some equal reps and get some mm-hmm. equal opportunities. Uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be a lead back or not, honestly, come fall. I mean, that's how impressive these guys have been the last couple weeks. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting. There's there's so many questions that still need answering um, that, you know, I, I do think that there's, there's a little bit of, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, but just there's going to be some 
some some some some nervous some nervousness I think over the next several months in terms of just who 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 you expect to break out and who's going to be able to contribute come fall on a consistent basis. Maybe maybe that's a position group to maybe look at the portal uh, in this next few days. You never know. You never know. I, and never look, know. I think they're in a good spot just because they have so many guys that have contributed so much and have done a really good job this spring. So I'm not sure if that's a position they're going to be looking at, um, but it could be a position. They've no, already I'm saying they've I'm already saying, lost one. Yeah. They've yeah. already lost one and they could lose another. That's they, what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm saying yeah, maybe absolutely. one of these LSU players might head yeah. to the portal with that absolutely. being said. Um, where does Brian Kelly, does he still look at the portal? And if so, what position group do you think he's looking at the most? Yeah, so I, I do think that they're still going to be active in the portal over the next couple of days. I think corner is still a position you'd like to firm up. I mean, they brought in Seven Banks, who's the Ohio State transfer last week. But he has a lot of injury concerns with him. Um, you know, from, from, from a hamstring perspective, he's had some nagging injuries. And so uh, continuing to, to maybe find one more piece in the secondary, I think will really help ease some, uh, ease some stomachs and, you know, kind of heading into the summer. But I also think offensive line is going to be an area you look at uh, potentially bringing in another guard, a, a guy who can potentially compete for some center reps. You know, they, they've, uh, they've done a lot of maneuvering on that offensive line this offseason. I'm not sure if they, they feel quite comfortable with that starting five. I think they feel good about certain spots, but just finding that right combination, I think, has been a little bit of a, a, a tall task so far in these last several weeks. So uh, bringing in another body there could certainly help. And then, you know, tight end is, is you know, kind of the one position, I think, on the offensive you know, roster that is uh, weak, just really just, just not don't have many bodies there. I mean, they trotted out Cole Taylor and, you know, Brian Kelly liked what he saw from Cole Taylor. He caught a couple passes about five or six yards. Um, but you, 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 you know, I mean, this is a coach and Kelly who was, you know, really established himself as having some really elite yeah. tight ends over the yeah. last decade. And so how does he and Den Brock adjust with not having those, mm -hmm. those anchors in the middle of the field? Uh, how not, you just don't know. So I think they're, that's certainly a position they could look at over the next couple of days. And we'll certainly figure something out here. I think over the, you know, the next week or so. I never hear Jack Besh's name mentioned. He had such a great freshman year. Did you think that all these new coaches, maybe that has hurt him a little bit? No, I don't think so. I think okay. it's just a, a, you know, just a, a, he was working a lot with the second team. He got some first team reps too, but you know, I think there's just a, there, there's a, there's, there's so much depth right now with yeah. the wide receivers. They've been working Malik neighbors in with the first team slot. Uh, I think, you know, best just, you know, kind of natural position is as a slot receiver, a okay. guy who can find the holes in the middle of the field. So I do think, you know, they're very high on Jack Besh. They, they like him. They think he's going to be a, a really invaluable tool for them for the next couple of years. He's a gamer, maybe not a practice player. He's a gamer. Any yeah. any rhyme or reason, Jaden Daniels came out first, right? Then Nussmeyer, then Miles Brennan. Uh, what is that all it, about? Does that mean anything? Have, that's a good question. I mean, I think the – you know, the kind of the way it was set up was, you know, the first team offense went against the first team defense on the first series. And then it was the second team offense against the second team defense on the second series. And then they went back to the first team on first okay. team in the third series. So I think, you know, look, Jaden Daniels and Miles Brennan, they got the first team reps the first couple of series. Okay. Uh, Nussmeyer and Howard had the second team reps the first couple series not sure how much you how much stock you could put in that just because okay. they all had kind of equal opportunities somebody in that first three quarters so yeah somebody had to go out there first yeah so if you had to give it a grade real quick 
Um, sum up the spring game, A, B, C, D, F. What, what? I, would, I would say B plus, you know, you, you found okay. you, you found some answers, but you know, you can only take so much out of the spring game and Thank you know, you. Just the, the defense has only put in so much. And I think, you know, that, yeah, the offense really kind of figured it out very quickly in the second quarter. And uh, there weren't many drives really from the middle of the second quarter on where there weren't, weren't scoring a touchdown. And so, um, you know, if you, you kind of put a little bit of a you know pencil in depth chart, I think, That's after right. spring. But, right. you know, you could very well, you know, tear it all down again by by fall. So And you will. Um, you so will. we'll see. <laughs> and then it was time to welcome all the recruits and have a big crawfish boil and absolutely uh, yeah. put on a good old fado dough along those ways. So uh, good. All right. Well, you get uh, you know now now what? You focus on baseball now, or what are you doing? Yeah, we'll focus on baseball okay. for the next several weeks and right. some recruiting stuff. And yeah, we'll see what uh, we'll see. Obviously, what the offseason brings for football, but keep an so eye on that portal. Keep yep. an eye on that portal, big guy. Yep. All yes, right, Glenn, Glenn West, LSU country. Thank you, my friend. All right, thank you. All right, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Astros take on the Texas Rangers May 21st. You can be there. Register in the game club us at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, hotel accommodations. That's Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, the Meridian of Houston downtown in the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station will wrap up our number one next. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard's has some of the best boiled crawfish, but has boiled shrimp, crabs, fried and grilled seafood, burgers, steaks, pole boys, and a seafood buffet. Go sign up for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio. Hour number two, we'll talk LSU baseball. They sweep Mizzou. John Hendricks will join us. We'll talk about the Saints draft and more. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hour number two, next. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a touchdown! This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. Brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, you just can't shop right at all. Pelicans get a win. Baseball was very, very good. The spring game, eh, it's a spring game. Um, We talked all about hoops. We talked about the spring game. Now it's time to talk about LSU baseball after being swept by Arkansas up in Fayetteville Tigers bounced back with four wins last week, starting off with uh, beating the raging Cajuns eight to four. And then a Thursday, Friday, Saturday sweep of the Missouri Tigers. He's become a fixture on our show. The former tiger. Now our LSU baseball analyst, 
Chris Reed, kind enough to join us to kind of break it all down. Uh, Chris, thank you for the time. Happy Monday to you, man. Um, look, after being swept, nice turnaround, four up, four down for the Tigers. Yeah, it uh, was a very productive weekend, both hitting and pitching. And, um, I, you know, I, I think they really stepped up to the table uh, after a hard weekend at Arkansas and, and really answered the call and put themselves in a, a really nice spot uh, going forth in the back half of SEC play. Uh, this week, LSU will be at New Orleans tomorrow, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they host Georgia in another three-game set. So LSU is 10-8 and eight in the SEC. They're in third place in the West, just two games behind first place Arkansas. So uh, not to sound repetitive, but again, uh, LSU holds their fortunes in their own hands. Yeah, yeah, it, and, and that's um, with, with how the season has gone so far, you cannot really ask for anything more than that. Uh, you know, being halfway through the season, uh, we have a very favorable schedule uh, going forth, and uh, I think I think it's it's turning out to be um, a very advantageous spot for this baseball team, and I, hopefully they can continue to grow and get better um, as the season goes on. That way, they can even position themselves uh, at a higher you know, a higher chance of getting a hosting spot. All right, let's talk about uh, some of the key individuals, and let's start with those that have the bat in their hand. And, I mean, when you go six for ten with three homers, four RBIs, and five runs in a uh, three-game sweep, uh, Jacob Berry living up to the billing when he came and transferred uh, from from Arizona uh, to come to LSU. Um, man, he's... It may, it may it took a little bit of time, but it seems to be settling in really, really good. Yeah, and, and you would always assume that there's going to be kind of a, 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 of a bridge um, factor there, just coming from uh, the West Coast and then obviously coming into the SEC. There's a different style of baseball there, uh, and I think you're really starting to see him settle in and kind of and kind of figure out how he's going to get pitched by the Southern. Uh, you know, other Southern pitchers here. And, and I think he's really, really starting to get a hold of, uh, of of his approach and things of that nature. And like you said, anytime you go six of 10 on a weekend, that's a pretty productive weekend. And um, I was lucky enough to have some pretty good seats for two of the games um, that were close to the field. And, and watching him hit a couple of the balls coming off of his bat were just absolutely ridiculous. He had a home run in the gap, I believe, on Saturday's game um, in the right center gap. And, I mean, it was a line drive, and the ball hmm. went 400 feet. And it's just insane about how some of the, some of the things that he shows uh, in his abilities. So hopefully he can keep that going and uh, really provide a stable, um, you know, middle of the order for the Tigers. And not only does he hit, but what impresses me is he's very selective. He walked three times in the series. He's got a 6.692 on-base percentage. So he's not just up there swinging for stats. He's he's swinging to make contact, and if the ball's not in the zone, he's going to hold off on it. So that shows some maturity to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's, a, that's a lethal um, combination there with his batting average, his power. And his on-base percentage, you know, a lot of – with baseball going towards more of a metric uh, day and age, um, the data points 
that really jump off the page uh, more so than than used to is is your on base percentage, um, that and your slugging percentage, and a couple other ones. But if your on base percentage is is above five hundred, you're doing something right, and yeah. and it's not yeah. and it's not putting it all on your offensive capabilities. You're allowing other people on your team to shine and and do their thing and be and be productive as well. Uh, just while you're on base, and that's and that's a very important thing for this team because there are really good players behind him. He obviously is is uh, the the most offensively, um, I, I would say, uh, production wise. Uh, he he is the top of the lineup, right. but uh, I mean, there's some guys behind him that are not that are not very far, and they have the ability to drive him in and to also pad their stats because of him. So, you know, he's, he's a very, he's a very, very solid option right there in the middle of the lineup. And I think he provides just a plethora of opportunities for the Tigers going forward. Leading hitter for the Tigers batting 370. All right. In the, with the guy in the, the ball in their hand and on that, uh, that bump with the rubber on it, uh, I guess you got to give the award to, and I used to always get on your coach about this, uh, Chris Reed. Uh, I, Paul, are we going to ever get a left-handed picture? And he said, John, we're trying, but we just, I said, no, you got to get one. And LSU's got one in left-hander Riley Cooper, who appeared in all three games. He got a win. He got a save. He got, he didn't throw much. He, he, a total of two and two-thirds innings. All were scoreless. Uh, he was put in some difficult situations, and he came out terrific. Yeah, I would have loved to have. Uh, I'm sure we would have loved to have a, a, another left-hander or two while I was there. But yeah. um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't. But um, I feel like we have a pretty good one in, in him, and he started off a little rocky. And obviously, there were some some question marks about you know, I guess why he was pitching so much. I, I would always get questions about that. Um, but I really feel like, just like Barry, he's really settling in mm-hmm, to his mm-hmm. position and, and, and what his role is going to be. And I really love the the fiery makeup that he has on the mound um, that he definitely showed in that last game, getting out of that bases loaded jam. So going forward, I think he's going to be a big part of the uh, of the of the pitching uh, going forward. All right. Well. They're hitting the ball well. Um, how how are they doing defensively now? Uh, I mean, it it it's still um, they're doing better. Um, you know, obviously there's still a question mark with the left side of the infield. Um, Thompson it, it, at this point it's just strictly between his in between his ears. Mm-hmm. Um, it. You know, the the saying goes: if you don't want the ball hit to you, it's it's you're gonna more than likely find you. And right. I feel like that's kind of what's happening with him right now. Um, you know, he really needs to. He has all the ability in the world, um, defensively wise, and and and, and obviously it stinks to see the state that he's currently in. Um, but you know, you have to ride with him. You know. I, I don't know if I don't know if they need to replace him quite yet. I mean, there there should be options behind him, but he really really needs to focus on staying in his legs more and not relying strictly on his arm. It's uh it's it, it's just that it's yeah. unfortunately in a mental state, and and hopefully he can come out of that relatively soon. Close race in the SEC West, as we said earlier. Arkansas at the top, twelve and six. Mm-hmm. Auburn at eleven and seven. LSU, Texas A and M, 
10 and 8. Alabama is 9 and 9. It's a no contest in the SEC East. My gosh. Tennessee goes on the road and sweeps Florida. They're now 17 and 1 in conference play, 37 and 3 overall. My gosh. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, they may be able to set some records. I don't know what the record is for uh, wins in SEC season, uh, wow. but I'm sure they got to be approaching it. And um, and and I would assume, you know, they're going to continue their performance um, going forth. And and I mean, the, the makeup is really is really astonishing that they that Vitello is uh, it was able to put together this team this quickly at at Tennessee. You know, obviously last year they had a really good team as well. Um, but to follow it up, you know, in the first couple of years of being the head coach there, uh, yeah. it's extremely, extremely impressive. And, uh, you know, they, and a lot of people don't like them because of the way they play in terms of how outspoken and brash they are. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, as long as you're backing it up uh, and you don't take it overboard, like chest bumping the umpire and things like that, right. um, you know, it, I feel like it is warranted and, I th- and you can kind of let that pass. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, that, that, that side of the SEC is, is, law, is a lost cause. They're going to run away with it. Yep. And um, you know, really interested to see how we stack up against them, you know, in the next couple of weeks uh, when we have to face them and, and really see if, if we can take, you know, start off with one and then try to see if we can't take two yeah. out of three. But, um, it'll be very – it'll be a, it'll be a huge weekend uh, for Tiger fans to see, you know, how well we have – made our way into this uh, back half of the season and see if we can compete at a, uh, at a yeah. top level. Great litmus test. Well said. All right. So in closing 39 games in your confidence level in this LSU baseball team, where is it? Ooh, uh, on a scale of one to 10, I, you know, I, the, the tiger fan in me, um, you know, I, I, I feel with the pitching staff the way it is, I think it's going to give us enough time for our defense, defensive woes to kind of even themselves out. So I would, I would venture to say probably a six or a seven. Um, but then my baseball, like my player side of me, is probably a five, if I had to say okay. that, just because of the woes we are currently seeing. And, and I'm not sure exactly how they're going to address those or even if they can address they can. them and flip them. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess the next few weekends will really kind of, really kind of solidify um, and, and speak volumes onto where this team can go. And uh, you know, I'm very excited to see it. Chris Reed joins us on a Monday to talk about LSU baseball. Nice week, four up, four down. We'll see if they can duplicate that this week, starting tomorrow at UNO. Thank you, Chris. Uh, really no appreciate it, buddy. Day. All right, you too. Uh, today is a day that you join the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you'll get the uh, chance to enter to win tremendously free gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. Eight teams on Thursday in the NFL have... Multiple draft picks in the first round. The New Orleans Saints, certainly one of those at number 16 and number 19. John Hendricks will join us now to give us his opinion on what direction the Saints will go come Thursday. That's next here 
on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports State. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 25th, 1993. New Orleans Saints linebacker Pat Swilling is traded by the Saints to the Detroit Lions for their first and fourth round picks in the draft. The Saints select William Rofe with the eighth overall pick. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, welcome back. 19 minutes after the hour of the Jordy Helper Show brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. It'll be very interesting. Come Thursday, uh, the Pelicans will be back in town hosting game six of their series with the Phoenix Suns. And, oh, by the way, the NFL draft will be taking place in Las Vegas. And the Saints currently hold seven picks in the 2022 NFL draft, including Numbers 16 and 19 in the first round. Now that now that he's out of the bidding to buy Twitter, Elon Musk got it for $44 billion. John Hendricks can now focus in on football yet again. And uh, John is the lead writer, reporter for the Saints News at SI Now. He's also a video host at Boot Crew Media. Just another piece of your pizza pie, uh, John. Congratulations, buddy. How are you? Appreciate that, man. I'm doing well. Just a uh, crazy week. And this is finally here, and uh, I'm, I'm just excited. But Thursday's going to be pretty nuts. I'll just say that. Hey, I mean, you, <laughs> you can go to 100 people who do this for a living, and 100 people will come up with, with different answers on this thing. Um, we all know what the Saints need or we think we do, but in your mind, what is tantamount for the Saints to accomplish if they keep the two picks in the first round? What is who are going to be the difference make? What position do they need first and foremost? They're going to need a wide receiver. I mean, that's that's clear cut to me. Um, you know, look, I've, I've said it uh, a good bit of times, but we're going to find out how much they believe in guys like James Hurst. I think he could be the left tackle answer that they have. I'm not saying he's on Toronto Armstead's level, but I know they like him a lot in the locker room, and, and he's, you know, handled himself really well, a veteran guy. But, you know, look, I, I could see when you look through all the positions and the things that you have to deal with that, look, wide receiver is your number one focus. And, mm-hmm. and you got to give Jameis Winston some weapons here. you got to get this offense better because they were just terrible last season. And I get some of it to be attributed to inconsistency of the quarterback not having, you know, having to roll through 53-plus starters. I mean, all of this stuff. But bottom line is they were not good in Sean Payton's last year. And now you got to make sure that you uh, change that fortune, especially when you got Pete Carmichael and the guys saying, hey, we're running the offense similar to what's been done the last 16 years. You can't do that unless you have five players. Let me ask you this. Let's just say the receivers drop down, drop down. What if – there's a great receiver available at number 16, and there's another great receiver at number 19. Do they dare pick up two wide receivers, or is that just a ridiculous thought? If it was me, I'd, I'd run to the podium and get double down on it. You know, just because Thomas is, is coming back, and I know a lot hinges on him being much better, but look, I think it allows you to get two really different receivers. And what I mean by that is you can get somebody who's going to dominate the outside 
someone like a Jameson Williams, and then you could get a slot guy, somebody like a Chris Olave. That's kind mm-hmm. of been the popular picks now. Again, mock movement, all this stuff. Somebody, a lot of people talking about Jameson going in top ten. You can still get guys that you that really fit the bill here. But you know, look, I'm just of the the opinion that if you really believe in Jameis Winston, you build his contract to make him set him up for success, which behooves the team to make a playoff run because it's going to reward him. So it's not like James is coming in here and not needing to play well. But, you know, I think the quarterback would be a wasted pick because he's going to sit behind the bench at least a year. He's got Andy Dalton right. as insurance in case Winston right. gets hurt or something else happens. But, you know, doubling up on wide receiver wouldn't be a bad thing because you, especially in the first round, because you could get him for five years. I mean, you get four years on the base contract and then, fifth-year options on both, I mean, I'm not upset at that, you know, and so I just feel like with Thomas and, and the way this offense and some of these offenses are around the league, you got to have a stellar top three, and look, they get one, I feel good about it, um, but they get two, man, they, it, then you're really cooking. I'm starting to lean that way, and I thought with the, the pickup, as you mentioned, of Andy Dalton, that kind of solidified to me in my little small mind about this stuff, because I don't study it nearly as much as you do and others, but it, it sent a signal to me, no, we're not going to take a quarterback. We don't really care for uh, what's out there. We're going to go with Jameis, give him a chance, and Andy Dalton's a, a proven backup. Uh, so that that was my thought process. Um, if If there isn't, if you pick a wide receiver at 16 and you don't like the rest of the group, do you go offensive line? Do you go, I mean, you can never have enough pass rushers, right? Do you do that? Do you need a safety? Where, where, where do you go with the second pick? Yeah, look, and here's what I'd say about 16. We've got to remember, too. The Chargers need a left tackle, too. They need an offensive lineman. So if you don't get the offensive lineman at 16, it's almost guaranteed if there's one on the board, the Chargers are going to take them. Um, yeah. So, again, that's something to consider there, too, but – but they do have needs at safety. I think if they don't draft somebody at the safety position, maybe they can get to run Matthew uh, just because, you know, right now you're rolling with Marcus May and P.J. Williams as your starters, and you lost Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams. That's a big deal. And, and as far as the pass rush goes, I don't think they should use a pick on any of the defensive linemen just because I think they're, they're stacked at that defensive end position. You've got Peyton Turner coming back, Tano Passignon coming back for uh, depth. You even signed Taco Charlton. So, I, again, you look at top to bottom, I think that's one of the strongest areas on this roster. Ethan right. tackle, I mean, do you want to push David on your mind? I think that's the biggest question. I, again, they're loaded at that position in terms of uh, depth. You know, Jalil Johnson, the new guy, Kentavy Street, they added some, some talent there while also bringing back guys. So, I think they've got to feel good there. Um, you know, look, I just feel like offensive linemen and wide receiver would make the most sense to me. Um, you know, again, if you don't get the offensive lineman at 16, you might set yourself up at 19 where you're not going to have a chance to get a good offensive lineman just because the Chargers are going to be there at 17, and they're undoubtedly going to take an offensive lineman at the same pass. He is John Hendricks. Um, we're talking Saints in the NFL draft, but not only the draft. Was this a bad day for the Saints and Alvin Kamara because his court hearing now move to August. Don't you want to get this thing resolved? What happened there? Yeah, look, uh, so I, I don't know if you say it's a, a horrible thing, a bad thing, but, you know, it, bottom line is his uh, attorney had went in there and said, hey, we still need more time to, to break down the video evidence and such. And, you know, they, uh, what they did is they pushed the hearing back to August 1st. And so, 
now that butts up the training camp for the Saints. And, you know, the thing is, the legal process has to play out before we have to worry about uh, any league right. discipline. And, look, i got to be honest with you. I think, you know, no matter how this goes, Mara might face some league discipline, might get suspended for a couple of games. And so with it pushing into August, again, I don't think the NFL's really had a track record of being swift on league discipline as far as the timing. I mean, look at what happened to Deontay Harris-Hardy last year. That happened late in the season. So you could be in a situation where Kamara has a similar thing where, you know, week 15, 16 in the season, you're going to be without him because he's having to deal with his suspension. So that's the problem with it lingering into August. And yeah. then again, with the hearing going into there, you just don't know what's going to happen from that. I, yeah, I don't like it. I wish they were in court today and they could have resolved this thing. And then, okay, here's what we're facing. So, I mean, do the Saints go and draft a running back somehow, some way during this draft because of this? Well, I think they needed to get look at a running back in the first place. Uh, you know, I don't think they use any of their day one picks on it. I, I'd hate right. to say a day two either, but, you know, look, you got Tamara and Ingram, um, and behind those, it's, it's up for grabs. I mean, you re-signed Dwayne Washington. Um, you know, he's more of a special teams guy. Tony Jones Jr., and he had a good training camp last year and a good preseason, but when he got called upon during the season, he just didn't, didn't have it, right? I just don't think he had what you're looking for, really, and so – He's facing a real important year, and then you have an extra guy in there. Uh, name leaves me right now, but he's one of the reserve futures you got. I think Josh Adams actually is, is who it is. And, um, you know, he's a reserve future guy. I don't think you're going to bank much on there. So, look, I think a day three pick would make sense. I also think that even if they don't draft one, you know they're going to add at least one or two to the undrafted process to see what happens. So, uh, I don't think they're scot free and say running back's just not a need that they need to look at, but. You know, you look at the, the class, the way things are shaped up here. Wide receiver is definitely the cream of the crop. You can go into day two and day three still getting quality guys to, to be able to change the franchise. You're just hoping that the Saints just pull the trigger on something like that. And so running back, again, I would think maybe as early as the fourth round, fifth round, if, if you're looking at it, um, that they could do. And, of course, you know that the Saints might be aggressive and try to trade if they really see a guy that they like. Any scenario, John Hendricks, where you see the Saints package the two first-rounders and move up? Or is there any scenario you see them maybe doing something and moving down to get an extra second-round pick or something like that? Any scenario like that? Uh, Well, here's what I'd say. First of all, they don't have to trade both of those first-round picks to move up. And the reason why is if you go to – if you follow football for any length of time and know who Jimmy Johnson is, you remember his draft pick – value chart that he created that pick at 16 is considerable it's it's over i think a thousand points and then you look at the one at 19 which is 850 and so again that's kind of getting into some real semantics there but again you could package that pick the 16 with maybe a second round or a third round and still get a traffic equivalent that can get you into the top 10 the only question is whether that's going to be enough for a team to be enticed by it i think that's the big question but you know, look, I don't think there's many scenarios where you trade both first-round picks and just to go get somebody. And, and look, if yeah. it's a quarterback, I'll probably throw up and not for good reason. So, <laughs> I got you. Okay, so give me the perfect first round for the Saints in the mind and the thoughts and the prayers of John Hendricks. Well, look, I just look at it and everything that's played out. Uh, again, I – I think if you're going to look at this from a perspective of improving the offense, I think you go offensive tackle and you go wide receiver. I think Jamison Williams is going to probably go off the board before the Saints pick. 
I think they can get Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa, and I've heard a lot of different things from them, but, but you got to remember Doug Marone is the guy that's going to be coaching them. So I feel good about the development side there. And so uh, he's great run blocking. He's a mauler, physical. He's just nasty. He's the guy that you want. I, I use this loosely, but kind of like a Kyle Turley, but more upside, I guess, in the way he plays. So, okay. And so, look, I, I think that's what you look at 16 and the 19. Assuming Williams is off the board, I like the pick of Chris Olave. I really think he's going to be a guy that just runs super clear. Chris Brown, he does a lot of different things on the field. I think that's realistically who would be available there. Uh, if not, it would be Drake London uh, from USC. He's more like a Michael Thomas guy. Um, so, look, they get two really absolutely good guys on the outside. But, man, I'd really be happy with Olave or Williams um, here and then getting pinning from Northern Iowa. There you go. All right. Thursday can't get here soon enough for you. We shall see. Um, John Hendricks, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks as always. Appreciate right, it. Buddy. Get ready for Thursday. Uh, it's going to be nuts. <laughs> hey, there you go. Viva Las Vegas. Uh, the 8-2 Fave Festival returns to Arnoville, April 29th to Sunday, May the 1st. The festival features carnival rides, food, bingo, live musical entertainment, including Jamie Bergeron and the Kicking Cajuns. Chubby Carrier and the Bayou Swamp Band and Clay Cormier and the Highway Boys, just to name a few. In addition to the music and rides, there is the Mayor's Cook-Off Contest on Saturday, the Etouffee 5K, and a car show on Sunday. For more information, visit www.arnoldvillecatholic.org slash Etouffee-Festival. Sheesh. Just look up 35th Annual Etouffee Festival, and it'll guide you. That's too complicated. That's too complicated. All right. Um, we'll take a time out here. Blake Rafino from the RU Serious Podcast joins us next here. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You're simply the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, it's Monday. Time for the Are You Serious podcaster himself, Mr. Blake Rafino. I want I just want to get his thoughts on LSU spring football extravaganza that took place Saturday in front of what I'm told about 4,000 uh, people here or there. Uh, the biggest take was that uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and others were back. Tyron Matthew was there. That got the biggest applause. But Blake, good afternoon, man. How you doing, buddy? I thought Brian Kelly didn't know how to fit in with Louisiana culture, Jordy. That's what I was told. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Huh. Yeah, it's, Interesting. it's pretty good when you got all those recruits in and you got those guys hanging around. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty smart on his part. I, I've said it before. He's the closest thing we've had to Nick Saban. Um, and I've said it before. We won with a great coach. We won with a, we won with a buffoon. And we won with a cartoon character. Um now we got a guy who's a, I think is a really really good coach, and it's uh, strictly business. How organized were they in your mind? I thought they were organized to the like to the detail, to every blade of grass, to good. every play call. I mean, things 
at times were a little chaotic, but he was able to reel it in and, and, and get things moving again. You know, I, so um, I, I thought that from the from Thursday night when Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback out of Michigan, touched down, and Joe Burrow is there to greet him, to the crawfish bowl at the end and Brian Kelly either reintroducing himself and or telling everybody goodbye from top to finish. It was completely well organized. Totally. Like you mentioned, we have not seen, seen since Saban. Now I, I think Les gets a little bit of backlash on his organization on, on some things, um, but it's more Saban-esque than it is at Orgeron. So the entire weekend was a win. That's good. Okay. Uh, who's the starting quarterback if they play today? Uh, I don't. I still don't think you really have one. Now, Jordy, going back and looking at it, I don't think Garrett Nussmeyer played as well as I originally thought. And quite honestly, I don't think Jane Daniels played as bad as originally um, I thought as well either. Um, going back and watching Jane Daniels, and, and look, Jordy, we, we charted this. He goes three of nine with four drops. So if he's okay. seven of nine with two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown, does that make it a little bit different? Kyron yeah, Lacey had nine targets and only one catch. Three of those jobs for, for, for uh, Jane Daniels come from Kyron Lacey. I thought Garrett Nussmeyer put the ball in exceptional spots. I thought that he looked really well. I think he looked poised and ready to go. The problem is he took two third-down sacks that he should not have taken and LSU's going for it on fourth and eight on their own 30. Jordan, they're not doing that in the regular season. You're not playing Alabama and going for it on your own 30. That's just, unless you're right. down big, you're not right. doing that, right? And so I, I think that um, it is a two-person race, but maybe the two people that we originally thought it was going to be isn't um, the two maybe we anticipated. I thought Miles did some good things. But I also thought he did some things I wanted him to see, dude, that he didn't do. Jordy, two passes, the one to Jack Best, the pop pass, and the pass to Amari Goodwin out of the backfield, accumulate for 45% of his total yards. He went 11 of 17, or excuse me, 11 of 18. And so which means is, is that he only had two yards per attempt after that, which hmm. I want to see him force the ball down the field, right? Yeah. So with that long touchdown – that means, Jordy, that he was at one yard. So there, there comes a part where I, I wonder if Miles was trying to play it safe. I, I, we would need to ask him that. But where I thought Garrett Nussmeyer stepped up, I thought Miles didn't do as well as I thought he would do. But I'm not going to take the game, though, Jordy, as the end-all be-all. We've seen Miles in practice do some really good things. We've mm-hmm. seen, so I, I, I'm not going to take one game in a spring game as the end-all, be-all, but he, I, I did expect more, if I'm being honest. So do you think it's a two-quarterback situation, or do you think it's a legitimate three-quarterback race to the week before Florida State? I don't think we get to third. I, I don't think it's three because let me ask you this. What does Garrett – if Garrett Nussmeyer can limit the turnovers, what does he provide that Miles Brennan doesn't? Meaning – Garrett has legs. Garrett has mobility. He has the arm. He has a really good arm. He, yeah. Where I think he's even better um, than Miles is even putting touch on passes. So I don't, Jordy, I still feel that we're, somebody's going to lead that. Okay. 
Well, if they do, when it's going to be where, this week. But it just feels to me that you will. Okay. If 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 they do, uh, the cutoff is May first, I believe, and that would be on a Sunday. So we've got uh, mm-hmm. about six days to determine this. So be very very interesting we've got blake Rafino from the are you serious podcast uh here with us so let's get off of the quarterback situation everybody talks about the strength of this club is the defensive line which tells me okay this was a good litmus test for lsu's offensive line i know they know the plays i know all that stuff but how did you think the offensive line held up are you do you have more confidence in them or less confidence in them I have more confidence in them, and here's why. I think that they started off very slow, like very, very slow. Um, And once Brian Kelly got in there, you know what, they really turned it on. The first touchdown drive, Jordy, they they rushed for 70 yards as a collective unit against, against, again, arguably maybe one of the best defensive lines in the entire country. Um, Jordy, they, they pushed things, they pushed this D line around. Uh, in, in the second quarter, in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, this defensive line, starters included, got pushed around. Um, okay. I gotta get, I gotta give a shout out to my buddy Carter, uh, Bryant from LSU Power Hour. He did a film breakdown. Tremont Shorts and Miles Frazier, left and right guard. Good heavens. They made it, I'd say even midway through the first. And, but especially in the second, Jordy, they were moving Mason Smith and Jaqueline Roy, Jacoby, and Guillory. They were moving them pretty good. They were getting to the second level. Jordy, even in 2019, I've never seen an LSU offensive line get to the second level in the linebackers like we saw Tremont Shorts and Miles Frazier. It was, it was clean. It was really well done. Now, is it because they're in a, LSU's in a base defense and yada, yada, yada? Maybe. But, you can see the athleticism in the two transfers and Tremont Shorts and Miles Frazier. Jordy, 47 rushing attempts, 262 rushing yards. That's absolutely insane when you really think about it. I mean, it, you, when you break that down and you're running for what we believe to be one of the greatest defensive lines that we maybe have seen, that is absolutely impressive. The word I got was um, improved. Still some work to do, but there's a lot of potential on this offensive line. Is Will Campbell solidified at the left tackle? I don't know how you take him out. Okay. I, I mean, you know, I, I still feel that you're playing him out of two things. Number one, out of obviously his talent, but I do still feel like you're playing him out of necessity. Right? This team never, over the last three recruiting classes, this team never, and I mean ever, recruited a true left tackle. Now you have a true left tackle that's come in, and he's there. And he's because he's got – well, number one, there's nobody else on this team that can solidify that position. Nobody. Now, okay. maybe – I mean, we saw Anthony Bradford do it, okay? But Anthony Bradford is a guard. He's not a, he's not a left tackle. I thought Will did really well. I thought okay. he did fantastic. I, I got to eat some crow. You know, I, I'm not <laughs> – excuse me – huge on freshman starting – um, especially at that position, but man, he did some good things. He's really, 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 really good in the running game. But when BJ Ojolari and Ali Gay come off that edge, it's a different animal and a different beast, and he got exposed yeah. a little bit. So I'm still okay with that. Like I'm, a, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm perfectly okay with a top 15 pick in BJ Ojolari next year's draft, doing what he did 
Um, but I like the physicality he plays with. He's going to get much better, bigger, stronger, faster. Um, so, yeah, in my opinion, he solidified it. Speaking of the running game, John Emery, uh, I keep hearing rave reviews about Trey Bradford and Armani Goodwin. Uh, are you pleased with the running back room? I think that they, I think that they had the best day, and it's not even close as a collective unit. Trey okay. Bradford showed you why Corey Connor went into the portal, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and kind of really and truthfully, Jordy, I, I mean, he is a home run waiting to happen. I mean, there there were three runs. That and look, they were they were blocked perfectly, but he makes one guy miss, twelve, thirteen, seventeen yards. I, I mean, you, those those are huge chunk plays. Quite honestly, it, he remind it, what I saw Saturday from the running game reminded me so much of what we saw from Georgia a season ago. It was very physical up up there up front, mm-hmm. and if you can add that kind of explosion to your running game along with John Emery. Watch out, because then it sets up Jordy for so many different things. Joe Burrow will be the first to tell you. Clyde Edwards-Alaire breaking off the middle zone runs when you're going to set up RPO behind it is the reason the cat. It is the catalyst, Jordy, why no you're question. able to do so much. If no their question. running game is this effective, quite honestly, it doesn't. You know, the quarterback position, you can take some faults there because if you're able to run it as well as you can. Um, you're not going to see – you might see better individual players, but you're not going to see a better defensive line collectively in this, in my opinion. Okay. Um, like, Alabama, yes. Everybody else, not a shot. So, I, again, I think from a collective, running backs, A-plus, you got to give it to them. Josh Williams, Emory Jones, Amari Goodwin, Trey Bradford. Oh, and Noah Kane's not here yet. So now, yeah. Jordan, what do you do with Josh Williams, who's – who's running over a former five-star defensive tackle for a touchdown. What do you do now? So, uh, shout, uh, shout out to Frank Wilson. Hey, maybe, Jordan, we, maybe. Very, very quickly, very quickly, shout out to Frank Wilson because, look, I love Kevin Falk to death, but that's the difference in Frank Wilson and somebody who's never coached at the collegiate level. I love right. Kevin that's Falk, right. but you're seeing that's the right. difference. Well, we'll see, if, we'll see if all these running backs stick around. Again, you're going to lose somebody in the transfer portal, so so we'll see. But right. now is the biggest area of concern, and because it's a question mark, because it's not fully complete, because they're counting on some people that aren't even there yet to come in and to shore it up, it's got to be the defensive secondary. Got to be. Yeah, and, and look, your two, what I would expect, your two starters being in seven banks on the boundary and Bernard Converse, they're not there. Um right. Look, I, I, I've talked to uh, Seven Banks, the Ohio State transfer. I think that he's ready to go. You have, um, you know, he's still doing rehab, but Jordan, he's a day one install guy. I mean, the experience, the playoff experience, the national championship game experience that he has, a preseason All American, he's, he, he's going to help you solidify some things. But God forbid, Jordan, if one of these boundary corners goes down, oh, I'm telling you're in you. big trouble. Yep. Yep, yep, I'm with you. You're let, me in ask, trouble. let me ask this because we've we've taken this for granted because we've been really, really, really good punting and field goal kicking. Do we have anybody? Well, the Mata kid, I mean, yes, maybe not the touchback on the kickoff, but the Mata kid hit a 48 yard field goal and in pre and pregame hit a 57. Okay. Um, 
Now that's a walk on. Now, I, I you know, I, I'm going to be cautious on the special teams because I just don't know enough yet, Jordy. You know what I mean? I like, got you. They haven't, okay. you know, they haven't installed it. They haven't done it. The one thing that I did see is Chris Hilton, Zachary, Louisiana, Jordy. They're going to utilize his speed, and okay. that's the only thing that I can really think about with that. Um, but really and truthfully, special teams. I, I didn't get a good gauge at all. Okay. I'd, I'd be lying if I told you either way. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. You know what today is the the one year anniversary of? Now huh? I know you know this. Oh God, um, the day I no, it's not the day I came on your show. No, no, we've known that. I, I'll, I'll end the suspense. Um, Kim Mulkey came to LSU one year ago today. Ah! How about that for a hire? Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Hey, right. hey, you know what? You know what's crazy? That's what happens when you have an elite head coach. What happens in one year, huh? Isn't that something? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, what, in a wonder, nutshell, wonder if Brian Kelly's going to do that. Well, in well, in a, I think SEC football <laughs> a little bit tougher than SEC women's basketball, but we shall see. In a nutshell, um, fifteen practices, and I consider the spring game a practice. I don't put any stock in it whatsoever, other than a practice. Has your confidence level gone up a little bit? Do you think this is a competitive club come next fall? They're, yeah, I mean, they're, I think that their absolute floor because of Brian Kelly is seven wins. Okay. I mean, like the wheels need to fall off. Okay. Um, but, uh, again, Jordy, I, you got Tennessee, you have Arkansas, you have Ole Miss, you have Alabama, you have Florida all in a row. Yeah. That is, you know, that, that, Come that. Come on. Jordy, if you go four and two there, if you go four and two there, you're in great shape. Brian Kelly's yeah. the coach. Well, yeah. he's the coach of the year because Who's that means be you're going to go Come either on. nine and three or you're going to go on, 10 man. and two and he's the, he's the coach of the year. I got, but I got you, 10 but seconds. I also could see that flip though, right? I like, ten, you could I go got 10 seconds. Four. Blake, hush. I got 10 seconds. Just between you and me. Which quarterback gives oh, the team the best chance to win? Which 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 quarterback? Come on, who is it? Come on, you left to me. To be determined. <laughs> ah, for, I actually can't believe I got him quiet. He couldn't. He didn't speak for five seconds. Get out of here, Blake. <laughs> Goodbye. Talk to you soon, man. Later. Thank you. All Later. right, Thanks, man. we'll take a quick timeout. We'll wrap things up here on the Jordy Helper Show. He was quiet. He was quiet. All right, we'll see. To be determined, we'll be back. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, that's going to wrap up today. Special thanks to our guests, Ali Cassell, talking Pels and the Suns, Glenn West with LSU Spring Football, Chris Reed, LSU Baseball, John Hendricks with a look ahead to the Thursday NFL Draft and the Saints, and then Blake Rafina with his, with his comments on Brian Kelly, his staff, and uh, the first spring under their belt. So we will see. If, uh, the fall will get here soon, and they'll have plenty of time uh, to work on that. Tomorrow, more on the Saints draft. We'll preview, again, Pell's Suns game number five. We'll preview LSU baseball versus UNO. If today's your birthday, happy birthday 
to you on this 25th day of April. You share yours with Al Pacino is 81 years old today. And the big fundamental, maybe the best power forward in NBA history, Tim Duncan, is 45 years old today. James, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening, and thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. Be kind to everyone, and let's all be happy. So long, everybody.